Well, it's great to be here. You know, here it is, November 18. Our uh, government has decided to shut down the world again. Right now they're burning, uh, right now in France and in, in uh, where, where was it? Three different countries in Europe, they're having riots in the streets because of uh, all the lockdowns and they're arresting people if they go out of the house without a mask on and if they get to go out of the house, period. So there's some pretty crazy things going on in the world today. Uh, pretty, pretty crazy stuff going on. And there's a lot of fear. And this fear is uh, centered around this uh, virus called COVID-19 or corona. And um, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of fear, a lot of... Uh, it's, it's, it's a real thing. I mean, obviously, if people have... Uh, underlying issues, it's a real issue. It's, it's, I mean, people die from it. It's not, uh, it's not a joke at all. I'm not making light of it at all. I had it. I didn't know I, uh, from one day to the next how I was going to get through it, you know. So, I mean, I went through, I got through it, and God was with me, and we got through it. But it's a, it's a, it's a real thing right now that at times the fear of something can actually be worse than the thing itself, and that's kind of what's going on right now. Um, 99% of the people, 99 point something percent of the people, and nobody will argue with this, um, 99 point some odd percent of the people who get that virus recover. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. It's you, most, the vast majority of people will recover. The reason we have to be so careful is because people who have compromised immune systems are the, the, um, the challenges that uh, it presents them, and um, that's where the, um, the people have lost their lives, is with the compromised immune system. So that's that, that tough balance that we're at right now. Um, generally healthy people will recover. There's, um, I think there's pretty good science, really good science and experience to back that up. Now, I'm going to talk tonight specifically about Putting your stake in the ground and that you are going to recover no matter if you get this thing or not. Okay? That's where we're going to go tonight. That it doesn't matter what anybody says. Here, here's the reality. I am 58. I am, according to my doctor, obese. Thank you, Mr. Doctor. Appreciate that. I don't think I'm obese, but he thinks so. Um, I have been diagnosed with diabetes I had a, cardio, a, a cardiac arterial bypass graft, which is a quadruple bypass five years ago. I am like the highest risk category you can find, and I recovered, okay? So God is good. You can recover. Even if you get it, you can recover. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. It doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, I, I talked to a gentleman who has had cancer. He said, a lot of parts removed, and he had COVID, and he sat in church on Sunday, he recovered. And he's in all the high-risk categories, and he recovered. So I'm telling you, no matter what happens, you can recover. You don't have to, you don't have to go down. You can, you can beat this thing. It's just, it, it's a virus, and it's real, but it's just a virus, okay? It's not the, it's not the uh, more, pow it's not more powerful than the blood of Jesus. But to beat it, you gotta understand 
some basic things. And we're going to go over some real basic things tonight. And um, I don't, I don't want to um, overstate this, but I'm going to say it again. You can beat this thing because you know why? Because Jesus defeated coronavirus at the cross. Okay? His blood is more powerful than COVID-19. Doesn't mean you be stupid. Doesn't mean you run around coughing on people. I'm not saying that at all. Don't be silly. What I'm saying is use all your precautions. That's great. But if you end up getting it, you need to understand that the blood of Jesus is stronger than COVID-19. It's stronger than cancer. It's stronger than leukemia. It's stronger than no matter what, whatever name can be named. There's no other name given among, among men that whereby you must be saved. And that's the name of Jesus. And there's no other name higher than the name of Jesus. The big C is not COVID. The big C is not cancer. The big C is Christ. Okay, so you got to understand that Jesus is more powerful than the boogeyman. Okay, Jesus is bigger than the boogeyman. That's a song we used to sing in children's church. He's bigger than Godzilla and monsters on TV. So there's some basic things that we're going to go over relatively quickly, but I want you to, to just establish a basis here of healing and health. See, God's plan is for us to be in health. How do I know that it's God's plan for us to be in health? Because if God didn't want you healthy, he wouldn't have given you an immune system. You know that without your immune system, you'd be dead in a matter of days, right? Unless you were in some sterile environment. Because there's so many things floating around and so many germs and so many uh, different viruses and everything else. Without your immune system, you, your goose would be cooked. You'd be done without your immune system. So God gave us an incredible self-learning immune system. It's like this self-learning machine that God put inside of us that when it gets exposed to something, it says, oh, that's not good. Hey, Central, we got to send down some white blood cells here. We got a problem down in sector 14. That's your little toe, by the way. And then they send white blood cells down there and they all make war. And they got little stormtroopers like on Star Wars. They're going pew, pew, pew. They're shooting at the little viruses and they're killing those viruses. They're killing those things, right? That's your immune system. God gave us an incredible machine called the human body and it comes complete with a built in immune system. It's, am it's amazing. Now, if you abuse your body and only eat fast food and taquitos and little chips all the time, you're not putting in the right fuel into your body, then your immune system isn't going to be able to operate the way it should, right? Everybody knows this, right? We're doing basic nutrition. Fruits and vegetables, whole grains, white if you choose meat, drink what you're mostly made of, water makes your life complete. Get outside, get to rest, go to bed on time, and do your exercise, and then eat like this little rhyme, right? Fruits and vegetables, whole grains, white if you choose meat, right? There you go. None of you have ever heard that song before? Oh my gosh, we grew up on that song. My wife sang that song to my kids every day. And my kids would do other things with it, but we'll talk otherwise about that. We'll talk after service about that. They would sing it opposite, but anyway, just because they're boys. 
But my point is, we have an incredible immune system. God made us that way. And if we'll just put in some decent fuel into our body, take your vitamins, take your B, take your D, take your zinc, right? Take all that stuff. Build up your immune system. Take your echinacea. Take whatever it is that you take. Whatever potion that you take, take it. And build your immune system up and then get in the word and take your gospel pills with it. You notice how I said that, your gospel pills? Take your gospel pills with it too. Besides your pills, take your gospel pills. And one of the things that we want to talk about here first is the very name of God. I talked about this a couple times already. I'm going to bring it up one more time. One of the names of God, Jehovah Rapha, literally means I am the Lord your physician or I am the Lord that heals you. That's his name, Jehovah Rapha. So the very character revelation name of God is Jehovah Rapha. He identifies himself as the healer. See, it says in John 10, 10, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I am come that you might have it, have life and have it more abundantly or live life to the fullest. That's John 10, 10. So there's three basic things I want us to remember tonight. This is the three basic things. Whatever situation that you're in right now, if it's a negative situation, if it's a bad diagnosis, if it's whatever it is, <clears throat> understand something. God is not the author of your problem. God is not the author. He is not the problem, and he's not the author of your problem. So the first thing to remember, if you get a diagnosis, this is not from God. Because every good and perfect gift, it says in James, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above, from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. So that's James 1. So if it's not good and perfect, it's not from God. If, you, if the doctor gives you that bad news and said, I'm so sorry, but you've been diagnosed with cancer, understand something, that's not from God. That is not from God. Cancer does not come from God. Well, I'm learning so much. That's awesome, but your cancer didn't come from God. Don't confuse the outcome with the origin. I'll say that again. Don't confuse the outcome with the origin because if you make that mistake, you're gonna think everything's from God because everything, all things, everybody say all things. All things, even the things that aren't so good. All things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. God works them for your good. So if you, if you make the mistake, which a lot of people do, if you make the mistake of assuming everything that turns out good is from God, you're gonna think everything's from God because that's how God, that's how he rolls. Everything works out good for you because you're his kid and he just makes it work out good for you. So as you, as you roll through life here and as you go, we need to realize that God is not the source. God is not the one making me sick. The second thing that I want to drive home tonight is it's not God's will for you to be sick. Because what I hear a lot is, <clears throat> okay, God didn't do this to me, but he let it happen. I hear that a lot. Maybe God didn't do that to do me. Okay, I can, I can get that. But he let it happen and he could have stopped it. But he let it happen. Here's the answer to that statement. 
I understand your pain. I've had my own. I understand your confusion. I've been confused. But when you look at reality of Scripture, there is a devil, and you have to understand something right quick, and that is there is a devil, he roams around, and he hates you. You have an enemy, he's called Satan, and he's trying to wreck your life every day of your life. And, he, and if you let him, he will wreck your life and he will kill you because that's his end goal. I mean, so the, the bad things that happen in our lives, you have, we all have just have to realize they're not from God. We live in a fallen world and there is such a thing as a devil and there is such a thing as people have free will. Sometimes people just exercise their free will and do hurtful things to us. That's just, that's just all there is to it. And God gave us free will. He gave that person next to you free will. And if they decide they want to punch you, it's not God punching you. It's that person with exercising their free will. See, so we can't just blame everything on God and, and be mad at God. If you're going to get mad at somebody, get mad at the devil. See, because that's where He's the one running around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So first of all, God's not making me sick. Second of all, it's not God's will for me to be sick. And third of all, I can do something about it. I am not a victim. I can fight. I can use God's word. I can fight and I cannot be a victim. I can be active. I can, it says, those that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. So if as I get to know God, I can be strong and I can do exploits. I can fight. I can win that battle. How do I know that sickness did not come from God? Because if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Turn, if you would, put that verse up there, John 14, 9. John 14, 9, it says, If you've seen me, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Jesus said flat out, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because I and the Father are one. So if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's Jesus. Next scripture says, I only do the things that I see my Father do. And I only say the things I hear my Father say. John 5, 19 is the next one. It says, I only do the things that I see my father do. So let's look at Jesus. Look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I would challenge you to go through your Bible and just look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look all the times that Jesus interacted with people. And I challenge you, I double dog dare you, <clears throat> to find somewhere where Jesus made someone sick. It's not there. He didn't make anybody sick. He made people angry. He made the Pharisees angry, but he never made one person sick. He never, in fact, then you take it one step farther. Was there ever anyone that came to Jesus with a believing heart that he ever turned away? And I would say, no. Look in your Bible, read it. And you'll see that he never turned anyone away. The one that came, the, the, the centurion that came to him on behalf of his, his dying servant, Jairus' household that came to find him, the blind Bartimaeus who called, he said, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Every interaction that we have where someone comes to Jesus, he never turns them away. He never turns them away. So if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. So in in all those instances of people coming to Jesus, and there's sometimes where the whole multitude came and touched him, and other times where there was many, many people there, there is not one record of him saying, not today, you're gonna have to learn some more before I heal you, not one time. But yet, that's a whole doctrine. Oh, I'm learning so much, so much through this that, you know, well, you can learn through anything. I mean, but how much do you learn from the second kick of a mule? Now, you've never been around a mule. See, I grew up working with animals, and about the, sec- about the first time you get hit in the face with a cow's tail that's been sitting in cow manure. The next time you get around the back of a cow, you know what you do? You, you grab a hold of that tail and set it there while you're there because you know what? You don't learn anything from the second slap of a sloppy cow's tail, right? So what is it that you want to learn from the bad situation that you're in? Why don't you just get through it? Just learn what you got to learn and let's get through it. Because that is not, God works everything else for our good. God will use anything in our lives to make us better. He will. He'll use anything. However, that doesn't mean he's the source of it. So God is not doing this to us. If we look at Jesus, we look at the life of Jesus, we look at Acts 10, 38. It it talks about Jesus. He says how Jesus went about, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by who? By who? They were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. See, they were oppressed not by God. They were oppressed by the devil, and and Jesus set them free. They were oppressed by the evil one. So what is the source of sickness then? If we look at what is the source of disease, of sickness, where, what is the source? Okay, The enemy is the source ultimately. But if we, if we look at what is, what is sickness? Sickness is a perversion of health. That's what it is. You have a, for instance, you have a virus that's a foreign thing and it's trying to get in your body. That's what COVID is. It's a virus from the outside where its source is, we're not gonna talk about that. Whether it was engineered, we're not gonna talk about that. Let's just say what it is, it's a virus, okay? And it wants to get in your body, but what we've gotta say is, no, you can't, because this body belongs to Jesus. You can't come in here, you're not welcome here, get out. You have to take authority over it. So, it's a perversion of health. What else is sickness? It's an attack on your immune system that God gave you. See, God gave us an immune system, and that immune system is made to gobble up. I was, sorry for the example here, but I think of little Pac-Man. Remember that game, Pac-Man? Waka, 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 waka. None of you guys remember that. Okay, well, Pac-Mans, those blood cells, they're like little Pac-Mans, and they run around going waka, 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 and then they eat those whatever it is. See, it's going all through your blood system. You got, just imagine those little Holy, Holy Ghost Pac-Man people in your body chewing up all the viruses and all the bad cells and all the cells that don't promote life. See, and then there's rogue cells and they get messed up because of 
of contaminants or whatever it is, maybe lifestyle or whatever causes it, but there's cells that, and they go rogue, and that's called cancer, or it's called leukemia, or it's called some other disease, okay? But those are rogue cells that have gone sideways, and they're, it's a perversion of God's intelligent design of your body. What is? It's a perversion of the natural systems God's placed in your body. The destructive nature of sickness shows that it's from Satan because the, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And everything that kills and steals and destroys is not from God. It's from Satan. And so that's why we know that sickness, the source of sickness, is not God. God cannot give sickness because there's no sickness in heaven. Revelation 21.4 says that. Jesus was sent to destroy Satan's works on the earth. 1 John 3.8 talks about that. 1 John 3.8 says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. And one of the works of the evil one is sickness, is one of the works of Satan. And Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan. What are, some of the, what are some of the causes of sickness? Some of the causes of sickness, you know, it's basically what opens the door to the enemy. That's what it is, basically. It's not necessarily a cause. It opens the door for um, sickness to come in or, or the, the enemy to come in and to attack your, attack your life. One of the big ones, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is an open door for the enemy to come into your life. So whenever something's going on, the first thing to do is to check your forgiveness meter. Make sure that you don't have aught in your heart toward anyone. That's the first thing to do. The next, some of the, some of the other open doors is, I talked about it already, and that's diet and not living a healthy lifestyle. And also overwork and overstress. Stress is an immune system compromiser. So um, you have to, that's why it says to cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace which surpasses all human understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's why it says to be anxious for nothing because anxiety is an immune system compromiser and it opens yourself up. So you, we've got to boost the immune system but also cut down on the immune system compromisers which are stress and anxiety. Sickness is not part of God's plan for your life. It's not part of God's plan. He has made provision for your health. You know, I'm going to say something right now, and that I want you to, I'm going to pause and let it be, have effect, and that is this. God is not going to do anything more for you ever. Everything God is doing, everything God can do for you, he has already done through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's not like God has to do something else. When Jesus sat down, he said, it is, well, when he was still on the cross, he said, it is finished, and then he sat down. And he didn't sit down because he was tired. He sat down because he was done, and he rested. Why? 
Why did he rest? Why is he still resting? He is resting because his work, his part is done. He's done all he needs to do to heal every single thing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions. He's done everything he needs to do. We need to receive it. He's done it, though. He's supplied all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's made and done everything necessary to fulfill every single promise he's ever made in his word. So God doesn't have to do anything more for all of us to live out the rest of our lives and and walk in health and walk in, in ample supply in the middle of his will. He's done everything he needs to do. Now, do things need to change on the earth? Absolutely. Does your body need to receive something? But that comes through the word. It comes through the word because the word has in itself enough power to accomplish everything it says it can do. See, the words that he speaks, they're spirit and life, it says in John uh, 3.63. And it also says in Proverbs 4.25 that the words that I speak to you, they're life and health to all your flesh. So the word of God is actually medicine to your flesh. It's actually medicine. My wife and I play healing scriptures, and we've been doing this literally for 30 years. Literally, when I say that, I'm not exaggerating. We have been playing healing scriptures in our house. It's not been every single night, but we play them a lot. And that is, we play healing scriptures. We, used to, we have five sons, and when they were all little, we all lived in this little tiny house, and we were on top of each other, and it was, you know, quite, we couldn't even put doors on the, on the we couldn't even have doors on the doorways because we had so many kids packed in a room, there wasn't room. That's the truth. We had five of us. It's all seven of us, actually, with one bathroom and three bedrooms. And we had seven of us all piled in this little house. And we would put a a CD player in the hallway with healing scriptures and put it on auto-repeat and let that thing go on all night long. And you know what I listened to last night, 35 years later? We listened to healing scriptures all night long. We listen to the word out loud all night long, playing on that old school CD player all night long, listening to the word, letting that word go over us. So if you wake up in the middle of the night, you know what you hear? You hear, by Jesus stripes, you were healed. Or you start, you hear some other verse that's a healing scripture read by Kenneth Copeland. And if that don't give you peace, then you need to get saved, I guess. Um, What I'm saying is the word brings health. The word brings health. God wants us healthy. 3 John 2, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He's talking to us. He's saying, man, I want you to be healthy. I want you to prosper. I mean, even think of those of you that are parents, you ever, if, you, if you're a parent, you want your kids to do well. You want them to have what they need. You want them to be healthy, right? I mean, are we better than God? That's what God said. I want you to prosper and be in health. He said, I don't want you sick and poor. I want you, I want you to be healthy and have everything you need in your life. That's God's will for your life. So some, somebody says, well, how do I know it's God's will that I be healthy? Look at that verse. It says, beloved, I wish above all things 
that you'd prosper and be in health. So if you ever have to wonder, if, is it God's will for me to be healthy? Yes, it is, okay? God wants us healthy. God is good, okay? And sickness is not good. John 10, 10, we did it twice already. It's the dividing line of the Bible. I'd say good God, bad devil. That's kind of John 10, 10. Good God, bad devil. And the devil runs around and he tries to wreck everything, but Jesus has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. God's will is to heal. Matthew eight sixteen. If we can rapid fire on the scriptures, I'm gonna go through a few of them here if we have it. Matthew eight sixteen, then Matthew eight, one through three. Uh, maybe not gonna happen. Okay. Um, Matthew eight, the leper comes to him. He says to Jesus, the leper comes to him and he says, I know you can, but will you heal me? See, and that is the, that is the, I don't think a lot of people don't question whether God can or whether he has made provision for healing. But, but they all have the question that the, that the leper had, and that was, I know you can, but will you? And that's, and I would say, and you know what Jesus' answer was to him? Literally, of course I will. That's the, that's the translation, of course I will. Jesus said, of course I will. You're in need. See, Jesus never turned anyone away that needed him. He never turned anyone away that came to him in faith. Jesus never caused any sickness, and he never turned anyone away, ever. Now, Hebrews 13, it says that we labor to enter into rest. Now, that sounds like, that's, it, it, like it's a conflict, okay? But realistically, what it's talking about is there's a place of rest. And it, I don't know how to explain it. I was talking to my wife last night, and I said, I got to a place where I can't explain it, but I just knew that I knew that I knew it was going to be okay, and I couldn't explain it. That's the place of rest. And it says you labor to enter into that place of rest. So what does your labor look like? I'll tell you. That's the key. The key is you keep putting that word in. You keep putting that word in. You keep putting that word in. And when that word, when you get full of the word, you become fully persuaded. And when you become fully persuaded, there's an old song, I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And if you grew up in any form of reformed or anything like that, you've, you've sang that song a time or two. I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And that's what I'm talking about, being fully persuaded that God is good, being fully persuaded that God is not the source of my challenges, being fully persuaded that it's not God's will that I continue and stay in this place, but he has made a way for me to be healed. He's made a way for me to walk out of this situation. Situation, to give you a quick story, I have 10 minutes. 
My father on March 19, and this is a long time ago, 1994, on March 19 of 94, my dad was walking from his, in his house, out in Borkillo. He was walking from the kitchen with a plate of food because we were having a, a birthday party for my mother. I know, too much information. Um, anyway, he was walking with a plate of food, and, and while he was walking, he literally just fell over. And after he fell over, he messed his pants and he threw up. And so he called the ambulance, and he was unconscious. And he was 70 at the time. And so we called the ambulance. The ambulance came. They loaded him in. Then he, he came to, but he, was, he had a very high blood pressure. His blood pressure was like 320 over 190. It was like ridiculously high. And so they took him to the hospital. They couldn't figure out what was going on. They didn't know what was going on with him. So we stayed with him. That was Saturday night. Sunday, he had another worse stroke, and then he was completely um, out. He was in a coma. Monday morning, I've got some of my family wanting to sue the hospital for malpractice because they misdiagnosed them. And, but I'm sitting there going, that's not the answer. That's assuming that we've lost. Forget it. We aren't going to do that. So I, being the youngest, I'm the youngest of nine, and I was the uh, punk that nobody listened to until my dad fell over, and they're all going, what do we do? And I said, here's what we do. And I kind of took charge because nobody else was taking charge. And um, so we got him to a different hospital. We get to that different hospital, and the doctors lined up. And these are doctors who are specialists, who are doing their top in the field. They're important people with white coats and stethoscopes, all intimidating to us mere humans, Right? And the one doctor looks at me and he says, I'm so sorry, but your father's not going to make it through the night. And I said, my father's going to live. And he looked at me and he goes, you're not hearing me. Your father is not going to live through the night. I said, my father's going to live. He's going to walk out of this hospital. He looked at me and he goes, you don't seem to understand. And what the problem that I had with that physician is he should have said, okay, believe what you want. And he should have walked away. That's literally what he should have done. Bedside manner. Don't get the, the patient's son all ticked off, okay? Well, he, he succeeded in getting me very uh, aggressive. So I finally demanded a new doctor, one that didn't have my dad in the grave already. I said, you got anybody around here that hasn't decided that my dad's gonna die by morning? And this other guy, this nicer guy, I said he was nicer because he agreed with me. Um, he comes over and he says, okay, I, I understand you're, you know, you're upset and, and you want us to do whatever we can. I said, all I'm asking is do what you can for my dad. He goes, I will do everything within my power to help your father, and I appreciate the, the passion that you have to fight for your dad. He said, I hope someday somebody fights for me like that. He says, I appreciate your passion for your father. He says, I'll do whatever I can. I'm a believer. I understand your passion. I'm a believer. I will do whatever I can to help you. So he ended up being, a, he was a neurosurgeon, so he did surgery on my dad that night. And, but that night was a very critical night because everybody said he wasn't going to live till morning. So I stayed up. Um, 
took wife and kids back to, or, or least wife, I can't remember. Neither of us could remember what happened. Somehow she got home. I stayed at the hospital, and I literally stayed and spoke healing scriptures over my dad one after another, and I was the only one there, and I sat there two, one o'clock, two o'clock, just speaking scriptures over my dad, commanding the mountain of swelling in the brain to be removed and cast into the sea, commanding his brain and his blood cells to work right, commanding every, everything that was injured to be, to be healed and to be put back into the right perspective. And I sat there with him at two o'clock, three o'clock. Then my brother-in-law showed up at three in the morning and we sat there and we just did healing scriptures together all night long. And like, it's five in the morning, it's six in the morning. We've been just speaking the word over my dad the entire night. And about between five and six, I don't know when, all of a sudden, I say all of a sudden, but it's been 10 hours by now that I've been doing this. I had this overwhelming sense of joy that my dad was gonna live. And I started jumping up and down. And I'm not a terribly expressive person. Now, if I told you my wife started jumping up and down, you all go, yeah, of course. But it's, it takes something to get me jumping up and down, okay? And I started jumping up and down, and I said, he's going to live. He's going to live. And I'm telling my brother-in-law, and he goes, yeah, cool, good, all right, cool, all right. And I'm just, I'm like, no, you don't understand. Dad is going to live. He's going to live and not die. He's going to live. Because you know what happened? I got fully persuaded. I had to fully persuade, I had to become fully persuaded. See, it's not a formula, but you need to get fully persuaded. You need to be fully persuaded that cancer is not from God, it's an invader, and it has to die in your body. You have to be fully persuaded that COVID-19 is not from God and it can't stay in your body and it's got to leave and you're not going to die. You're going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. You have to get fully persuaded and that's that laboring to enter into rest. So what do you do? You put the word in. You put the word in. You put the word in. You put the and when you're tired, you put the word in some more. And when you're tired, you put the word in some more. And you sleep for a while and you wake up and put the word in. Until you get to the point where you say, No, man, I'm I'm healed. This is not this is not gonna kill me. No way. And you know what happened? I'll tell you a, a very short version of what took a very long time. It took about four months. My dad was 21 days in a coma after that night. He said, oh, that night, that morning he woke up and he walked out of the hospital. No, he was 21 days in a coma with 11 different things hooked up to him, feeding tubes, trachs, brain cranial interpressure monitors, and he was in ICU for 21 days. You know what we did all 21 of those days? We had that healing scripture auto-repeat in his room, and we, let, we had one of us staying there with him the entire 21 days. We kept putting that word in, kept putting that word in. And he was, he was unconscious. He was in a coma. But we sat there, and we did it in shifts. And I'll never forget, one of the family members started praying, and he started praying. This was in like the, first, the second or third day. He, he hadn't been around. He, he was from out of town. He came in and he started praying and he said, 
He says, oh, Lord, I ask you to take dad quick. I stopped him. I said, you can shut up right now. Take dad quick. Are you out of your mind? Get out of here if you're going to pray like that. You don't ask God to take him quick. I've been praying my guts out and <laughs> so he lived, not take him quick. So he hadn't been here the whole time. So another, another doctor came in one time. I was sleeping. This is funny. I was actually asleep because I was literally staying up 24 hours a day and sleeping in the, in the waiting room. All the nurses there thought I was crazy. I probably smelled bad, all that stuff, right? Because you just stay there for days on end, eat all that hospital food. And <clears throat> the reality is I was sleeping in the waiting room, literally conked, snoring the whole nine yards. And the, one of the doctors came in and started offering condolences to my mother while I was sleeping. And my sisters are in the room. This is documented by other people. It's hilarious. I was sleeping. I sat up, looked at the doctor, and I said, my dad's going to live. He's not going to die. And I went back down and, and went back to sleep. My spirit was awake, even though my body was sleeping. And I yelled at the doctor, my dad's not going to die. He's going to live. And went back to sleeping again. You know what that was? That's called being fully persuaded. So much so that when you're sleeping, you get woke up and start speaking the truth. See, that's fully persuaded. It took 21 days, and then he woke up. And then it took, then he didn't know who we were. He, like, had gone through a reset, and he had to relearn how to walk. He had to relearn how to control his, his bodily functions. He had to wear a diaper for a few months. But you know what? By August, he got his driver's license back. And one of the things we told him as soon as he woke up is we said, Dad, we're going to plant a garden, because he loved to, to farm. So he said, we're going to plant a garden, but we aren't going to pick the beans. You're going to have to get better to pick beans. So we gave him a, a vision and a goal to work for it. And you know what? He did. He, he would take two, two five-gallon pails, and he'd walk out there. He'd sit on one five-gallon pail, and he'd pick beans and put them in the other five-gallon pail. And he picked his own beans that year, and he drove his own car. And he lived three and a half more years until he decided he was ready to go to heaven. And then he died, and he's been in heaven for 20 years now. But my point is this. He lived. We got fully persuaded, and he lived. And God is not the source of your problem. God is not the source of your sickness. But we have got to get the word inside of us, and we've got to get on the offensive and we've got to start saying, this is not going to affect me. This is not going to kill me. We are not going to go down this road. We are going to survive. We are going to recover. And we're going to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because we've got to get fully persuaded. Fully persuaded that God is good. God is not the source of your problem. It's not his will that you stay in your current situation if it's bad. And you can do something about it. What you do is you labor to enter into rest and stand on his word. Just put that word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. That is the answer. I have, ear, I have earphones. I listen to the word while I'm sleeping. I wake up at four in the morning, put earphones in, put on the word. You got to put the word in because God's word is spirit. It's life. God's word also says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
Now, healing is awesome. Being well is awesome. Being fully persuaded of healing is amazing. But there's something that's equally as important and that is that's maybe more important and that is your eternal destination. Have you ever made Jesus Lord of your life? Have you ever said, Lord Jesus, I commit to you. I give you my life. I forsake my own thoughts, my own goals, my own dreams. And Lord, I'm just going to give my life to you. Have you ever given your life and made Jesus Lord of your life? If you have, just give me a wave. If you've already made him Lord of your life, just give me a wave. I want to see some hands here. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you might, you might be like me. I went to church my whole life, but I, and I even memorized a lot of scriptures, but I never had made Jesus Lord of my life until I was 22. I'm wondering if that might be somebody here that you've been in church. Maybe you've been in this church your whole life, and maybe you have never really made Jesus Lord of your life. Maybe it's just always been what's expected and you're a relatively compliant personality so you just go along with it because that's what your mom and dad want. But the point is, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. And he doesn't, he doesn't want your parents' relationship. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with each one of us individually. So if you would like to make Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to come up right after service and I'll be sitting right on the front pew and I'll be waiting. So if you say to me, I, I want to pray and I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to start a new chapter in my life. If that's you, I want you to come up right after we're dismissed and we'll, we'll get with you and we'll, we'll uh, pray with you and we'll get that, that done right there. But in the meantime, I just want to just close with a, with, a, with a word of prayer, then Caleb's going to come up in a minute. But I want to close with a word of prayer, and that is this. Is, I'm trying to, I'm just listening to the Holy Spirit right now, so bear with me. I feel like we're supposed to just have a, uh, like a, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and it's a prayer for physical healing and protection over, over all of us, okay? That's what I feel like the Lord wants to do right now. So we're going to just go with that. I want everybody to, to, to just stand up right where you are. Just stand up. Make a, make a motion and stand up. And I want you to just repeat this simple prayer with me and speak it after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus that he died on that cross, that he went to the whipping post and he shed his blood for me. You forgive all my sins and you heal all my diseases. So I thank you, Father, that your word is life to me. Your word is health. We curse every cell in, my, in our bodies that do not promote life. We curse every rogue cell. We curse every virus. We curse COVID-19. And we declare 
The blood of Jesus is greater than all these things. We speak to our immune systems. Prosper. Be in health. Ward off all sicknesses the way God designed you to function. We speak to all our internal organs. We command them to function to the perfection they were created to function. Pancreas, function right. Heart beat normal. Blood pressure be normal. Hormone levels be normal. Cancer die. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. And we desire to be fully persuaded. And we thank you that your word lives big in us. In Jesus' name, amen.